Today we've got a really fun episode in the works. Um, we're, we're, we're gonna talk with a fashion writer, but before we get into who our guest is, um, I kind of want to point out something interesting about this episode in particular. We usually talk about stories where a pitch went well and that the publicist was more than gracious enough to give the journalist everything that they needed. But what happens when a journalist needs information and maybe the PR team isn't quite as responsive as they could be, or maybe they reject giving all the information that they might need to tell the story. Um, so just keep that in mind as we go into what our example is. And uh, I'm really excited. I think we'll learn a little bit more about corporate communications, stuff that I don't really know a lot about personally. So our guest, our guest is Frances Sola Santiago. She's a journalist from Puerto Rico. She's currently working as a fashion writer at Refinery29. She also writes for other publications such as New York Times, The Cut, Rolling Stone, NPR, Numero, Glamour, Remescla, and Bustle, covering fashion, beauty, music, and culture. Welcome to the show, Francis. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yes. Um, and then, of course, Britt. Um, I know you already said hi, but feel free. Say hi again. Hi. I promise I'm here and I'm focused. It was a quick <laughs> distraction. You have my full attention, <laughs> Francis. Yes. <laughs> and we are excited to have you here. And I can't wait because I think we're talking about an article you wrote about one of my favorite <laughs> places, <Same>. admittedly, Costco. <laughs> yes, spoiler. Costco. Yeah, I love that. So, Francis, you want to talk about the Costco story? And um, I guess we can start with what the story is about. We'll link to it in the show notes, but then mm -hmm. we can kind of go into how the story came to be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the story is headlined, The Unexpected Appeal of Costco Fashion. Um, and the story is really about um, how people ha have been um, sharing their Costco hauls um, for clothing online, especially on TikTok, um, and how Costco clothes um, have become really a solve for a lot of families um, in the middle of an economic crisis, in the middle of the pandemic, um, with inflation rising to unprecedented levels. Um, so it was a really interesting exploration of how a lot of social and economic issues really impact um, what we buy and what we wear. Um, and it was just a really interesting story to report, I will say. Um, I got to talk to people um, that um, manage like big, big Facebook Costco groups that are over 10,000 members, which to me is like an incredible community. Wow. Um, and then I got to talk to um, TikTok creators that are solely focused on doing either Costco or like other big type warehouse um, stores, uh, hauls on their, on their pages. Um, and you know, one of my main challenges with the story was always kind of filling out the other side, you know, have the customers stalking, but I really wanted to talk to people inside Costco. And that's where it became kind of a, not a problem, but just like, I, I wasn't able to talk to them. Um, so, so I had to kind of fill in the blanks, um, as a reporter, which is always a fun challenge. Um, so I, I, I relied a lot also on my editor really kind of helping me guide what was necessary and what we needed um, to really make the story, you know, balanced, but also just as, um, as educational for people as possible. Can you give us more details on, on what kind of pushback you got from 
Costco representatives on why they couldn't speak to you? Yeah. So what I do with these types of stories normally where I know that um, I have to talk to a corporate communications person is just go into um, the website and try to find, I try to find a person because the info at emails are, um, you know, they're never really very helpful. Um, but I couldn't find a person. So I just, um, I think I filled out a questionnaire and I sent, um, the questions directly. Um, and I think, you know, and I think it was like a set of five questions, very, you know, uh, elemental, um, facts like, you know, how do you source your merchandise, things like that. Um, and they just came back saying like the company has no comment this time. Um, and that was it. So at that time I asked them, you know, if anything changes, please let me know. Like I always, I never take those things very personal. Like I know that the answer to higher beings and, um, it's very normal for corporate communications departments to not really be super responsive. Mm -hmm. Um, so my, it, it, it was never really a pushback. It was more so like, we just don't want to talk about this. Um, I never really understood why, but um, I guess it's because a lot of my questions um, were answered through materials that they already had on their website, um, which was like a really fun hunt for me um, <laughs> to go on their on their corporate website and like try to find um, all of this information from um, really boring reports. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they're available there. So it's, um, and they're public. So they, it's just information that we as reporters um, get to have. So I think at that point, I remember getting that email and being like, okay, let's, let's move on. Like I can just include in the story that they declined to comment. And at the end of the day, um, you know, that's your due diligence as a reporter. Right. Can you kind of go through what was helpful? Um, I know you mentioned they were boring reports, but I think uh, people or listeners would really appreciate knowing exactly what you found helpful that you could find on their corporate website. Yeah, absolutely. So um, on this particular case, um, they had um, a website that is um, specifically tailored to investors um, of Costco. So, um, so they have had a lot of reports about their performance over the last couple of years. So I was able to find data points, like for example, how well their online sales were doing instead of in-person, um, which was a data point that I was very interested in because, you know, the, the in-person experience is very important for Costco. It's like the whole point of <laughs> buying at Costco sometimes. Um, and versus the online, which like definitely thrived during the, the pandemic. Um, and then I also wanted to try to find, um, any data points around, um, their pricing models or any extra revenue that they had made during the pandemic, because so much of the Costco clothes that people were buying were at leisure. Um, and so many of my sources were also talking about how, the lifestyle changes of the pandemic really made them um, reassess what they thought was like acceptable clothes to wear outside. Um, so I was like, okay, then this must be translating into more sales. Um, I will say that it was hard to find a lot of like the specific data points because sometimes, um, you know, the data points that they reveal is just it's not specifically targeted to maybe what I would be interested in. So sometimes you do have to do a math or kind of say, you know, try to find a comparative within the report. Um, I think something that I 
I think a comparative that I made was um, sales, online sales in ver- before the pandemic and after, and how I think there was like a certain percentage spike. I can't remember the number. Um, and just kind of draw your own conclusions from it. Um, this is something that I absolutely love doing. <laughs> it's part of like my journalism training that I really was hesitant about in the beginning, but has really allowed me to do um, better reporting than um, I would be able to do in, in cases like this. That's helpful. Um, uh, one complaint that we get from um, journalists is that mainly smaller startups don't have enough information, even mm-hmm. contact info on their website. <laughs> yeah. So it, I guess it's it's refreshing to hear you have come across um, at least enough, right? And mm-hmm. I guess the difference though with this is that it is like a big, a large company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that is something that I struggle a lot with too, um, with smaller brands or smaller companies not having enough information on their website. Um, I will say that just an email is really helpful. Um, and, you know, there's no matter the size, the company, the size of the company, you know, people can be very unresponsive no matter what. Um, but when it comes to smaller brands and companies, I think the frustration comes with, you know, we, I, I'm a journalist and I want to bring you visibility a lot of times and just have people learn about you. And it's hard when I can't even get in touch with people. Um, so at least an email is very helpful. I will say Mm -hmm. I do DM people a lot, um, on Instagram or, you know, if, if the email doesn't get back to me, um, so yeah, I, I'm thankful that nowadays there's like more ways to to get in touch with with smaller brands for sure. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I actually wanted to ask about how you you reached out to TikTok creators, people who own large Facebook groups. Mm-hmm. How does that go? How does that work? And <laughs> yeah, um, I bet that's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I have gotten over the fact that my job is basically like legal stalking. Um, so like, (laughs) I just go into these people's pages and I'm like, I learn as much as I can about them and try to figure out if they're a reliable source or not, you know, try to, um, just make sure that this is someone that will inform my story rather than derail it. I can't tell you how many times I've like hopped on the phone with sources and they're not really interested in talking, but more like just either guide you to a certain agenda or... You know, they have Mm -hmm. like weird theories, even in fashion that happens. Um, So, and I also try to talk to real people as much as possible. Um, Something, and I I use real people in quotes, of course, um, because I, there's so much of fashion reporting that is very, very um, influenced by either business experts or professionals in the industry and the type of fashion reporter that fashion reporting that I like doing is more informed by, you know, what people wear and how, you know, their everyday lifestyle and behaviors really impact what they wear. So um, that's why I try to go that route, like trying to find just people to talk to me um, because I feel like they have more human um, perspective into clothing than, you know, someone who sits at a desk and, you know, tells you what, I don't know, it's going to be in fashion the next three years. So 
with that comes a lot of um, navigating weird, you know, social media um, DMs, it's <laughs> <laughs> like that. Um, so for TikTok, for example, something I do is I try to find the relevant hashtags or, you know, it, it's very helpful that TikTok is um, kind of a search engine now. Um, so I go in there and I try to find, you know, creators that have talked, uh, about a certain topic that, um, I'm exploring, or sometimes the algorithm also just lets me know that this is something that a lot of people are talking about. So I end up doing a story about it. Um, for this one, um, I think it was Costco finds can remember the search term. Um, but it was like, it was really big. It had, sorry, it was Costco clothing finds and it had nearly 2 billion views last year. And then the hashtag Costco clothes had over 4 million views, um, on TikTok. So that to me told, like, it was a clear fact that, um, that this was like a big community of people talking about this. So I basically went through each video and, um, you know, you look at the likes, you look at, you know, if this, this is a person that typically does this type of content, if they seem like they know what they're talking about, or if they're like telling a really interesting story. The thing about TikTok is that it does not let you message a source unless they follow you back. Um, so I love when TikTok creators have an email on the bio <laughs> or they have an Instagram linked because then I could go into their Instagram mm. and then DM them. Um, so that's the way it usually goes for me uh, with TikTok. I do something very similar with Instagram, um, which it's it, t- Instagram. You have to filter things out a lot more because everyone puts like a weird hashtag on things. And a lot of times if you search a certain hashtag or something, it just pops up like weird, um, content. Um, but TikTok, I think it's, has become a really good way to, to find sources, um, and again, it's just a way for me to just talk to as a wider range of people as possible. It sounds like it's also a place where you find inspiration on trending fashion topics. Mm-hmm. Do you think that it's important for a publicist or a PR person um, in this fashion industry to have a TikTok account? Um, I think, well... There's two different types of TikTok accounts <laughs> for me. There's one for like uh, just looking and one for creating. Mm-hmm. Um, True. I actually have two, um, one for work just for like sleuthing around and then another one to post content. I'm not very popular on it, but it's fine. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely think that like I can always tell when I get a PR pitch that's linked to TikTok when someone is just repeating the same kind of uh lingo like coastal cowgirl or like uh, whatever core trend it is if they're actually familiar with it versus when they actually consume the content um and then i also really really appreciate when publicists can see tiktok and understand that it's not just about being like oh this is happening on tiktok please report about it it's just or write about this trend. Um, it's just kind of telling you, oh, I have this client that might be able to talk about this or more so like seeing it in the macro sense rather than just like repeating the same things like TikTok creators are doing, which I think it's like a heavier lift. Um, 
but but I do think that it's important nowadays. So much of the fashion industry is being influenced by TikTok, whether we would like it or not. Um, I was very hesitant about TikTok at first. I, I have to admit it. Um, but it, I think it has definitely improved my fashion reporting just to be aware of internet trends. I think, you know, internet culture really drives um, fashion today. So I definitely recommend ev- anyone who is in fashion PR to at least be um, in the know of what's happening on that app. Question about seeing trends in the macro sense instead of just like dictating or um, like just like repeating what you see on TikTok. Um, is the Costco story a good example of that and that the TikTok trend is there, but the bigger story, it, it involves that cultural um, undertone as to like you, you were able to tie it into the economy and why um, the trend is there. Is that kind of what you're referring to when you mean macro? Yeah, um, absolutely. I think really seeing the bigger picture of why something might be trending on TikTok is very helpful. Yeah. Um, like I especially for me, since I, I'm not a shopping writer, so I don't work with our, um, with our shopping team. I'm in the editorial side. So yeah, I mean, I think in the macro sense, like just really understanding that, um, TikTok trends don't appear on a vacuum. Like, um, it's, I think it's very important for publicists, um, because again, like just, there, there's so much happening on there that I think just pitching anything and everything that comes out of TikTok and is not, you can always see when it's like not really relevant to their clients and they're just trying to yeah. talk about it um, or like, you know, peg it to the moment, which I understand, like, you know, we all have to <laughs> make do our jobs, and do our jobs <laughs> which yeah. I totally understand. Um, something that is very relevant to the type of stories that I do um, is when publicists, you know, try to, um, talk about TikTok trends, but instead of offering either, you know, uh, uh, like clothing pieces or just anything that's available from a brand, um, instead offer data points about like the searches that have increased in their website or things like that. Um, That's very helpful for, for me specifically, because that's the type of reporting that I do. Um, And it just helps me inform, you know, what, um, what people are wearing and what they're wanting to to purchase. I love so, that. Um, instead of maybe this is a bad example, but might be a great example. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> um, instead of saying like, say I'm a shoe company, mm-hmm. and instead of getting in touch with you, um, saying that we sell these platforms that speak to that are that completely personify the Barbie core trend. Mm-hmm. Instead of, you know, blatantly just saying we sell this, that is this, you're saying provide data. Like, mm-hmm. and we've seen um, these shoes sell, the sales go up on these shoes by more than 50% in the last yes. two weeks. Okay. Yeah. yeah that makes more sense. Yeah. Cool. I mean, and, you know, I, I'm not saying that I'm not going to include the shoes, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't really let market drive my stories that much. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me specifically, and I know that a lot for a lot of other reporters who are really writing a lot more about, uh, kind of the social phenomena around fashion rather than just, you know, buy this or wear this type of stuff. Um, we are interested in kind of consumer behavior a lot. So mm-hmm. for me, um, you know, whenever 
I get, you know, a report from a brand that says, you know, oh, we've had, you know, a certain amount of search spikes in Barbie core fashion. And I can see other brands that are have the same thing. I can say, okay, there, there's definitely an interest there. And I can go and try to find sources to speak to that and just do like a bigger story around all of these brands that are, you know, receiving this kind of influx and there's definitely interest in this trend. Um, so I think it's, it's more about that, um, for me, um, and definitely like we try to include market as much as possible or in our editorial stories for sure. But, um, but I think data point is something that a lot of brands, um, don't include as much and it's really valuable for, for me. Um, I have, I have a question. I'm just, I looked at a random story of yours, um, it was the one about fans, which I thought was cool. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was I was curious. There's like you said, you don't um, cover like the shopping aspect, but there's pictures of like the products that you can go, click through and buy. Mm-hmm. Uh, do do you are you not responsible for that part of the story? You just supply that, and then the shopping I, editors take care of that, or how's that work? Yeah. So for this case, I am. Um, so oh, when okay. I said that I'm not part of the shopping team, um, we have a, a shopping team that is like completely uh, devoted to affiliate. Um, so everything they do is around um, shopping roundups or, you know, there are affiliate team. Um, I work in editorial. So sometimes I do market roundups and I include shopping in our um, cool. stories, but I yep. focus more on like, you know, the editorial side of, of the fashion, um, of the fashion team. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. That's very cool. Yeah. Cause I'm looking here, I guess they're not really necessarily, um, yeah, they're like <laughs> straight up links to the products. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. yeah. Same. yeah. They're not like the e-commerce links that, yeah. That, yeah. Makes sense. I like the fans you chose. They're very cool. You seem like you have a very fun job. Thank you. No, I definitely enjoy it a lot. Um, and, you know, as I mentioned, we have a really um, small team. So um, my fashion director, Irina Gretschko, is fantastic. Um, and, you know, we we try to split our, our department's um, load as much as possible, um, specifically, you know, dealing with brands. Um, fashion Week, for example, is a time when, like, we barely see each other because we split the entire calendar between the two of us. Um, and previews as well. We try to, you know, manage, um, the load as much as possible. So it's, it's a good, uh, tag team for sure. It's very cool. Could this be a good segue into the brand previews discussion? I really want to know more about that. Um, okay. So I try, I'll try not to get too technical, but basically, (laughs) um, you know, a brand preview is, um, you know, there's several ways that a brand preview can go. Um, a lot of times it's an agency that has a lot of brands and so they have a press day devoted to either, you know, the resort collections or the spring summer collections or the fall collections. Um, and you come in and they guide you through the lineup that, you know, every single brand has. A lot of times those agency press days are really time consuming because you have, a, you know, a the roster of like 20 plus brands sometimes um, from like clothing to jewelry, shoes. Um, and it's really fun because you go get to see a lot of clothes and all of that. But a lot of times you also have to just make mental notes of, you know, how can what I'm seeing inform whatever I'm doing? Um, you know, I remember, for example, I think it was last season's uh, press days. Um, I started seeing everywhere, like a lot of metallic, like silver metallic pieces. Um, and I ended up doing a story about that. 
um, because I knew that runways also had a lot. Um, so it's also an opportunity these breast days to kind of see smaller brands um, that don't get to show at New York Fashion Week or don't get to show at any other kind of um, really relevant uh, big fashion month event. Um, so you get to discover a lot of New York brands. Um, and so they those are the kind of the agency press days, but sometimes um, brands themselves also host uh, previews before, you know, their lookbook is out or their runway is out. Um, and a lot of times you also get to do a resee, which is, you know, um, some uh, fashion brand showed a collection on Tuesday and the next week you go get to see it in person um, on mannequins and things like that. Um, so a lot of these uh, previews, you know, they they work for a lot of different pieces, but it's basically for you to see what brands have coming up. Um, the, th the way that they are structured really serves the print magazine editors a lot because, for example, I remember, I think this was a couple of, yeah, like two months ago, I went to see a winter preview for Brooks Brothers and it was literally like all styled really beautifully. Like it was a winter wonderland, but it was like March. <laughs> so, but that really serves like print magazine editor mm. very well because they're planning, you know, the winter issues months in advance. Um, for me, for example, when it comes time for, you know, winter fashion to, to start rolling up on the website, um, it's a little hard sometimes to, um, to go as far back as March and like remember what I saw. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a little, uh, difficult sometimes for online um, editors, but I definitely say that it's very helpful for me, especially to discover new brands. As I said, like our, our readers are really interested in emerging brands and just names that are not really, you know, super expensive or, you know, names that are really appealing to um, a diverse um, set of communities. Um, I am super, I, I'm a super fan of um, this agency called House Of. Um, they have a really good slot of um, Asian American um, Pacific Islander uh, brands. Um, and that's really what they're really known for. Um, I also really uh, love Sophia Bibb PR. Um, Sophia is amazing. Um, and her um, co-founder, Dan, too. And they specialize a lot in Latinx brands. So it's really interesting to go see, um, you know, like learn about these newer names that are not, you know, on a New York Fashion Week roster and things like that. I hope that wasn't like too long. And that was great. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was like really fascinating to listen to and just to learn more about like the agencies who specialize in yeah. their own um, areas is really cool to hear about mm -hmm. too. Yeah, something no. Jacqueline and I don't get to think about a lot either, and here on the show. Oh so. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's definitely really fun. I'll say that you know sometimes as a fashion writer, I talk with other editors um, in the industry, and it's definitely hard to balance sometimes like going to a lot of these appointments. Like a lot of times they're in the same week, all of them, like or in the same two weeks. Um, and you know, I'm as I said, like we're a team of two. So like covering a lot of them, sometimes it's really hard. So sometimes you have a full day that you're just going to appointments and then the next day you have to like actually sit down and write and do everything. And then the next day you might have to go again. So it's, it's intense and it's a balance act for sure. Um, because at the end of the day, we also have a job to do and 
these and appointments do take a lot of time. Um, but you know, it's, it's great to go see people in person and go see the clothes in person. I think it's one moment where you're like, okay, this is the really fun part of my job and, um, and you get to appreciate it for sure. Okay, cool. I think you mentioned that Sophia is awesome. Yeah. Um, we are always also like, just curious about like relationship building. So that's what I'm getting to with that comment. Yeah. Tell us more about why you think she's awesome. <laughs> um, well, Sophia is really great because I think she can spot really good talent. Um, she has an amazing roster of brands. Um, and every single time that I worked with her for a story or just for a poll or anything like that, you know, she's super gracious. I think I gravitate a lot toward her brands because I'm Puerto Rican and she has like a really big slate of Latinx brands and seeing that in the fashion industry is really strange. Like you don't really see an agency that's a, like her, I think her co-founder is based in um, Mexico city. So they're kind of, and she's based in New York. So they have like a presence in Latin America as well. Um, and it's just really, it's really fun to go see like a preview, get to speak Spanish, um, and just, you know, see this, like walk into a room of like mostly Latinx owned brands and, and see, you know, the amazing talent that has long time being overlooked in, in the fashion industry and working with her is just really fun. Um, and she, she's great. So, so yeah, I think she's definitely one of the names that I enjoy working with the most in, in PR. Awesome. Great. I we love, love to hear that. I'm looking at her LinkedIn. <laughs> we are also legal stalkers and we've embraced it. <laughs> yeah, this but is yeah. legal. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's very strange, but it's what I do. <laughs> yeah, no, this is great. Um, she's got a really like interesting background in terms of like work experience, um, mm -hmm. Like she's interned at a lot of places, worked in like the music industry, I think at one point, if I'm reading this correctly. It's mm -hmm. so nice. I love people that are able to like run with their passions. That's always something I was like, I just, I don't know. This is just beautiful. I love it. Thank you. Thank you for sharing her information. You beautifully uh, segued into the PR shout out section. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so we did kind of skip over the general housekeeping questions. Mm -hmm. But I'm okay with that, though, if yeah. you want, I feel like what we covered is awesome and it was nice yeah. and conversational. I agree. Yeah, I think I that's can, good. Can, Unless there's anything else you wanted to get off your chest or definitely cover that we didn't. Um, yeah, I mean, I did have a few other shout outs if we. Yeah, let's do it. Do oh, we it. love shout outs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the more the merrier. Yeah. Um, so they're more like, I mean, I, I shouted out already, um, House Off. Um, they're amazing and they're, they've always been super great, um, with polls, with, um, you know, showing us really interesting brands. Um, I work a lot with, um, with small, small girls PR as well. Um, they have a real, an amazing roster of brands um factory pr are always really helpful too um they're i do bother them a lot with like insights and data points so um that's something that i also do when pr like with publicists don't send uh data points i'm like what are people searching on your websites and they're very great gracious um a lot of times um i also wanted to shout out patrick mcgregor he's um he's like a long time publicist um, but he currently works with LaPointe, um, 
which is a brand founded by Sally LaPointe. Um, and she's based in downtown New York. Um, and I just feel like he's really, really good um, at what he does. So just wanted to shout him out. Um, and then I also work a lot with LaForce, which is another agency and JBC. Um, so I feel like those are all of the, um, oh, how could I forget? Yes. And then Tanique Bernard is also really great. <laughs> um, she is a publicist, um, of Brandon Maxwell, for example, she's one of the brands that she manages. Um, so, and she's always been super gracious as well. And, um, and I think she, she does an amazing job. So yeah. I feel like I shouted out like so many people. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> it's one of our favorite parts of this, doing this. So we appreciate it. You came prepared and they're going to love it. It's going to make their day. Yay. 